Welcome to Winning Is Not Everything, where we bring sanity back to youth sports by focusing on character development, effort, and sportsmanship, not rankings and trophies. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, former NFL reporter, children's book author, and youth sports coach. Timing matters. I had a list of questions prepared for this interview, but one of the lessons I learned in journalism school is to be mindful of current events. So what happened? Stay tuned to find out. Team Snap is the presenting sponsor of the Winning Is Not Everything podcast. The spring sports season is just around the corner. Are you ready? Whether you're a coach running your team with the Team Snap app, an admin using Team Snap for business to manage your club or league, or a marketer looking to make noise in the youth sports space, Team Snap has got you covered. Visit TeamSnap.com or download the Team Snap app from your app store for more information. As a journalist, I prided myself on my preparation. So naturally, I had a list of questions in hand to interview Tony Sane recently. But as I waited for our conversation to start, I checked ESPN to see the latest news. And there was an update about a soccer match in Italy's Serie A being delayed after racist chants from the crowd. That got me thinking. Tony played in the Bundesliga starting in the late 1990s for several seasons. What was his experience like? Well, the stories and insights he shares are, at the same time, surprising and not surprising. Without further ado, let's jump into part two of my conversation with the one and only Tony Sane. You were versatile. I mean, you literally played outside back as well for a period of time. So you played basically at every level, right? I mean, you played defense, midfield, and, yeah, and with the, offense. With the national team, I think I started nine different positions to start a game, whether I was like a number 10 or defensive midfielder, or wide winger, left or right side, you know, outside back, center back, left center back, 4-4-2, target man. I played all those roles, and I think being a forward, it, you know, it, it helped me. And But then having like the work rate and the versatility let me – basically uh, be in a position where I could really help wherever the team needed it most. DC United, I mean, you are one of the, and I actually grew up in the area and, and you know, remember you covered the team a little bit during the 1998 season. You know, I think you had just left, right? In 98, you were no longer with right. DC United, but certainly was familiar with just the impact that you had. But with Bruce Arena, I mean, you guys won virtually everything. What was that experience like going to DC United, being such an important player there and helping that team have maybe one of the best runs in MLS history thus far? Well, you know, I, when I went to DC, I think the team was like one in seven or one in six. And, you know, I was noticed at the combine and, you know, didn't really, wasn't going to get paid. And so I decided to try to go to Europe. And, you know, as they lost, Bruce Arena kept talking to the league to eventually we, we got a deal that that was good. You know, it was a special time. There was a lot of good players. And even the front office, it was like we all kind of grew up together and building something special. Playing with like world-class players like Marco Echeverri, who was already South America player of the year before. And, and you know, our captain was like John Harks and, you know, future Hall of Famers, you know, Eddie Pope and stuff like that. You know, it was it was good. It was competitive in practice. But, you know, I think you realize that you have to compete and work hard every day to be successful. 
But you also realize that every day you do, you have a chance to come out on top. So it becomes sort of like this, I got to survive to I got to thrive, right? And, and looking forward to it and, you know, openly challenging others and having this really healthy competitiveness there where everyone was like, it probably in some weeks meant more about winning the inner squad scrimmages or the small games than, than it was like the game on Saturday. It was about winning and competing. So I just remember like picking teams in practice and going at it. And that was just so fun to be a part of. It kind of frustrates me as your friend because, you know, when Christian Pulisic started to make some noise at, at Dortmund before making the big transfer to Chelsea, there was this sort of perception like he was the first big American player to actually go to Europe and do things. And, and obviously there have been the Clint Dempsey's and other guys, Landon Donovan's, who had spells in Europe. But I mean, you were a significant player to make that transition. I mean, and this is way before those guys. What was that like going to the Bundesliga when you did? Helping a team that played in the Champions League. But I also just wonder, like, right now even, today, decades after you finished playing, black players are still dealing with racist abuse. What was that like for you? Because when I watch the Bundesliga, it's crazy. Like, I'm not sure there's a more, like, when you look at Dortmund and look at Bayern and it's feverish. Like the commentators are like screaming into the microphone because it's so loud. Did you have any experiences like that when you were playing in the league? I mean, it was, you know, I was in a big city and a small city and, you know, you definitely turn the volume up, right? As far as like playing in the MLS, it was great, but everything around you just gets sort of elevated. Now our team in DC, surprisingly, was one of the best teams I've ever played on. You know, going going then playing in the Champions League team, leaving everyone behind to concentrate on one thing really helps you like concentrate on what you're doing. But it was the same way, right? You like you go there and like you got to work your butt off to kind of try to fit in to basically then looking at like, yeah, I deserve, I belong here. And matter of fact, I'm better. And so you, you start to try to thrive. But it was a special time too. just the Berlin team and even Nuremberg. They're just different. Like, right, Nuremberg, you know, I was an older player and like the highest paid guy on the team and, you know, central position and really just trying to keep the team into the Bundesliga. And Berlin, it was like, okay, we are trying to stay in the elite group, you know, and, and, and play in Europe. And we always finished like in the top five. So we were in Champions League or UEFA. But, you know, there's a lot that goes in it. And I think at that time, press-wise, the U.S. didn't do that well in the World Cup. And we got kind of shellacked, I think, in the 98 World Cup. So there wasn't a lot of respect for us. So I think the battle was, there was racist stuff. And then there was like anti-Americanism as far as soccer, right? So you had to be better. I don't know if you've heard the story about how I made the team there. You know, I was arguing with Major League Soccer. And I decided I'm playing out my contract, even though I was injured my last year. And I just went up to the coach's office and made videotapes. And I sent them over um, from a lawyer in Minnesota and Dutch teams. And they sent them to three German teams too. And all the German teams wrote back and the Dutch teams didn't. And I was like, I don't want to go to Germany. They're like, well, they're interested in you. And they basically said, if you're the same player in these videos, like, you know, we got a deal. And so after the MLS final, um, I had like a pull groin and I just flew from LA directly to Berlin. And they're just like, well, we got to see if you're actually better from this injury or not. So I practice one day and then, you know, my agent's like, how is it? I'm like, oh, it's fine. Like, 
they're good now, you know, but we're in the middle of their season, not trying to hurt anybody. And then the next day, this guy just keeps following me. And one time he like trips me and I look at the coach and the coach just kind of looks up in the air and pretends he doesn't see anything. And at that point I was just like, okay, like this doesn't matter that much, but like, I'm not going to get treated. So I just start manhandling people. And like the guy that kicked me every time he touched the ball, I made sure that I didn't necessarily follow him, but I went through him. I was a target man holding people off, just getting aggressive, scoring goals and, you know, really just playing super physical, like more physical than I needed to. But just to be a point where like everybody there knew when I was coming, where they're roaming. So afterwards, I go take a shower and I come out and my agent says to me, so how was practice today? And I was like, I'm like, you know, to be honest with you, this guy kicked me. So I just went and started kicking everybody else. And he goes, well, you must have done something right because the coach came into the GM's office after practice and they said that they were worried about you yesterday because you were too timid. But anybody that fights like that will have a spot on this team. You guys can go home and we'll send you a contract. And so two weeks later, they had, there was a contract in the mail. Love it. That's outstanding. But in terms of the racist abuse, was that a regular thing? Again, now you, you know, with social media and people's videos, you see those things. I just can't imagine that that was not something you had to deal with. And then how did you process that and, and deal with it? Well, German law is very different. One, like you can follow somebody around for any reason. And like you can ask somebody for their passport whenever. So, you know, I remember being like I mentored some kids. And so like I'm, I have two young, like basically black kids in my car. And, you know, the cop is kind of like behind me. So I'm like doing circles in a grocery store watching them follow us. And eventually I just go and pull over and, and they can, you know, can we see your ID? I'm like, well, you can't, what's this about? And then realizing that American law is different. Like they go, we can do this for any reason. I'm like, well, just for, why are you doing this? Well, you know, you guys look kind of young for having an expensive car, right? Um, or going to the stadium and, and having them, you know, 70,000 people make monkey noises the time the, the Nigerian on the other team, you know, touches the ball. And I'm like, well, I know what they think about me now, right? Or warming up and, and having spectators like make monkey noises or throw bananas on you. And even some of the teammates would make jokes, but I think they quickly realized they knew not to make jokes around me. So it was tough. It was different. And, you know, I think that there was a sense of like, if you were, you know, you were black, that you were uneducated. And they had some really uneducated people there, especially from from Eastern Europe. So it was it was challenging, right? You were American, but then there was always, you know, and then there was the groups of fans that went like kind of over and above to support you because they did know it and they did see it. And, you know, I would have people sometimes come up to me in the street and say, listen, we're really sorry about what happened in the stadium, but we're just, we're glad that you're here. And, and you know, and even one game after, you know, I drove down and beat the keeper and passed it to my friend that scored. And the coach said in the interview, like, yeah, I'm glad to see that, you know, Tony was the best player out there and the stuff that he's going through isn't normal and how the fans are treating him. And, it's clearly, you know, racial driven. And so that, that felt good, but it was, it was a tough time. And, you know, you, I don't want to say you sign up for it, but like at that level, you know, you can't control, you know, 60,000 people. So you have all white likes. And even in the parking lot, I remember one day there were some fans kind of making some racist comments and saying, American go home. And, you know, and so it was challenging. Yeah. And so you just have to take that though, huh? Because, I mean, you know, now it's so much has changed, like in how we even acknowledge like mental health and acknowledge 
you know, processing things like that. And just thinking back to when, you know, when we were younger, it's just like whatever adversity comes, you just kind of grit your teeth and bear it and just kind of persevere through. Um, but did you get any help to deal with those things? You know, did the team have anybody for you to talk to or, you know, did you, who did you kind of lean on to help you walk through that very challenging time? I mean, you really didn't have a lot. And, um, you know, I was mentoring some of the younger guys. So, you know, I had to really, you know, be the example. It was tough. I'm not going to lie. I mean, there was times when, you know, I remember I pushed back once and we chased this guy down that was making comments. And then the police came and, and the police asked me for my passport and like, Mr. Sane, can we see your passport? I'm like, well, you know who I am. So why do you need me to see my identification? Well, it's the law that you have to carry it. And, and I'm like, you know, I'm like, you're just being a you know, jerk. And then at the end of the day, then like a Monday going back into the GM's office and said, well, the police is going to say that you talk poorly to him. So you can either apologize to him or they can make a case against you. And I don't know, like if you, you know, and so there was a lot of things like that that happened, but uh, it was, it was not easy when, you know, when I, when I look back, but you know, the joy of the game probably is the only thing that pulled me through. It's powerful. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Winning Is Not Everything. Please make sure to like the podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you can immediately get the latest episode. If you have any questions or comments, please visit my website, seankjensen.com and go to the contact page. You can even leave me a voice recording. And of course, I want to thank my presenting sponsor, TeamSnap. Whether you're a coach, administrator, or brand looking to reach the youth sports community, TeamSnap connects the world of youth sports. Visit TeamSnap.com or download the TeamSnap app from your app store. Until next time, I'm Sean Jensen.